Hello, everybody. Good day, everyone. And welcome to The Mushroom, which is a podcast by Ministry of Funny, hosted by myself, Harish. And Terrence. Where we talk to people doing cool shit, controversial shit, on basically anything that we find interesting and hope you find interesting too. And on today's show, we talk to Sam Lowe, also known as Sticker Lady, who gained notoriety in 2012 for pasting stickers around Singapore. So she's done a lot of cool stuff since then, and we just talked to her about motivations doing that and how life has changed and how life is going for her right now. She's pretty cool. In fact, she's super cool. So, hope you enjoy. So, today we have Sam Lowe, also known as Sticker Lady, from which, which was a term that was bestowed on you in 2012. Yeah, that's right. When okay. I got arrested, to, yeah, 2012. It's something oh, better when I got arrested. It's not an introduction when I got arrested. What an introduction. I'm guessing you've, you've done a lot of this before, right? Um, wait, a lot of what? Like interviews <laughs> about you being sticker lady? Oh, yeah, yeah. So then, so then what's, what's something in all those interviews, right? Okay, so just to give our listeners the context of why you're labeled sticker lady, and correct me if I'm wrong, so in 2012, you pasted a bunch of... No, you spray-painted... Okay, I, can you just give us a summary of why you are known as sticker lady? Um, well, I was... I, I did paste a whole bunch of stickers yeah. on different traffic lights all over Singapore. Uh-huh. Um, that was, I started that project in 2011. Okay. And um, I think they were tracking me for about a year from then. <laughs> <laughs> but what? But in, in 2012, I got bored and I thought like stickers weren't enough. And yeah. so I spray painted um, the roads in the CBD area. Like on the roads? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was, I think, about eight different locations um, with this two meter long stencil that said my grandfather wrote. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was it just you or you had a... I, I had a friend with me. You had a friend with Yeah, yeah. So is that sticker friend? No. No, no. You, you, you took the <laughs> no, brunt he's, of that. He's a really cool guy. He's a really cool guy. <laughs> okay, so that happened in 2012 and a lot of time has passed since then. But I do want to ask you some things about what motivated you to do that. Like, because, I mean, you, you grew up in Singapore? Yeah. 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 So we grew up in Singapore and you know... Singapore is always like it grooms you to follow the rules like. yeah so I think one reason why when that happened there, were, there was an outpouring of support right I think because people were trying to live vicariously through you <laughs> so but what prompted you to do something like that because you said 2011 you were already pasting stickers yeah uh, what, what kind of stickers well these are black circular stickers mm-hmm. that fit nicely into these traffic light buttons yeah so they said like press to teleport um, press until show and a lot of like colloquial ones along those lines. Yeah, so I can't remember. Oh, I did like... Panic button. More than, yeah, panic button. Yeah, panic that came button. a little bit later, actually. I did more than 30 designs in that, in that period. Just on your own free will. Yeah, yeah. Because like, you know, why not? <laughs> Back then, the social media was in its infancy, right? But did you I see it? I don't think so. Like. I think there, was it was, I there, think was there was Facebook, Facebook already. Yeah. I mean, Facebook came, I mean, Facebook came out when I was like 17. And that was yeah. like more than 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, but... Um, it's, I think it, it was Instagram that was kind of newish. Uh-huh. Maybe, nah, I wouldn't really say that new either. Maybe like two, three years about there. Yeah. Uh, right? I'm not that sure. Facebook? No, Instagram, I think about five years at least. At least at that point of time. Yeah, right? just, started, yeah, yeah. just started. Yeah, just started. more or less. Yeah, yeah. So, not bought by Facebook yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah not bought by Facebook yeah. yet. That's the defining point. So do you see it crop up on, on the internet? I did. You did? I did. Um, the thing is that when I first, I pasted the first one, it was press one scan already. Uh-huh. And that was the OG. That was like mm. the first one that I ever like pasted outside. And um, the thing is, I took a picture of it because I'm an idiot. 
and um, I put it on social media. And, I mean, just on Facebook actually, and yeah. it, it went like a lot of people liked it and, and stuff like that. And then I thought like, hey, this is kind of dangerous, really, love, because you know I didn't. The thing is, I didn't take credit for the work. I just like took a picture of it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, um, as I did more and started pasting more different variations, then people started tagging me in it. Oh. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, that, that was kind of scary. Like. So when you did the yeah. first one, had, did you already have a plan to do more? I, on the first night when I did the design, I already did it with one shot. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, because like, I had this eureka idea when I was... Actually, the first design ever, um, before Press One's can already, before the traffic light buttons, um, the design was originally meant to be pasted anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason why it's black and white is because it's inspired by the speed limit stickers at the back of tracks you know, tracks trucks uh-huh. oh, okay and um I, the first design actually said slow the fuck down uh-huh yeah i can say that right yeah, of course you can say anything you want anything you want this is why this interview is different yeah. oh that's good to know that's good yeah. to know yeah. so um so that was the first design and in fact it was meant to tell people or remind people to slow down so and, and I wanted them to like look at their surroundings a little bit more and see what's happening. Yeah. So it was meant to be like a universal design and it was a circle already. And I was you know, with the first one you always don't know where to put it, like your first tattoo, your yeah. first sticker yeah. or whatnot, right? So I was standing behind this lady at a traffic light crossing and she was jabbing the button nonstop. And I was like, Wow, that's annoying <laughs> and then I was like, Hey, this circle like like the you know, it, it, went off, yeah, right? yeah, and straight away, right? I, I like put the sticker right at the at that spot, mm. and I realized I was just one centimeter like too big. It was just one centimeter too big. Yeah. So straight away, I went back. I had like eight designs in mind already, and like I resized it. And then when I came back, it was exactly the right size. Perfect. Yeah, and so just started then. Uh, yeah. So like, uh, you said you did it on your own, but what? What were you doing at that point in time in, in your life? Many things. Uh-huh. Um, well, I was pursuing my degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and your degree was in? Is in business management. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I had a marketing major. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I was also working at a creative consultancy. So that's when we did events for brands and it was a marketing thing. And um, I was also working on Recognition, which is this website that I founded in 2008. Mm-hmm. So um, Recognition is a platform for Singaporean talent, which I actually just relaunched, actually. Oh. Yeah, because after the whole arrest and everything, I kind of stopped that because I didn't have stamina. Yeah. Um, but uh, essentially, yeah, it just came back. Um, and it's essentially, yeah, a platform for Singaporean talent. So we cover art, music, design, and just all like these creators. Just like showcasing Yeah, what do yeah. Like I mean, at a point in time when I came up with it, it was a reaction to the time because a lot of people were looking at international acts and like thinking like, you know, we, we, have so, we have so much talent here. Yeah. You know, why aren't we looking inwards? A lot of them felt really unappreciated. Yeah. And I did so many interviews ever since um, Recognition started. And that's how I grew to know about the scene. Mm-hmm. That's how I grew to know about the struggles in the creative culture. And essentially, um, that formulated, <clears throat> that was the true inspiration, to be honest, for all the work that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. It's based off what I've learned. It's based off um, like all the interviews that I've conducted, all the observations I've made, and all these in- valuable insight that these creators have provided me. Mm-hmm. So it's really from them that I learned from. So that means you didn't start off as a creative? No. 
no Insta intention. Jesus. Yeah, it's kind of like us. Hey. <laughs> but I mean, was, it, was there something <clears throat> in your youth that, that you think was the genesis of this creative side? Like well, something when you were younger, you watched or, or you know? I mean, from young, I've always liked making things. Okay. Um, I've always liked creating something and seeing that thing come to life in front of me. Um, but the thing is that I never really pursued that because I never thought it was anything serious. It was like, if you would think of me as a child, you'd be like a small, tiny, wannabe MacGyver. Mm. I would say, like, I would take, um, I would make doorbells out of, like, um, cassette tape holder mm -hmm. and, um, like, Christmas card. Mm -hmm. So I'll, like, you know, uh, put the, elements and make it into a doorbell. Yeah, oh, see, yeah. See. I would, like, make a pulley system and things like that. I mean, like, I, I guess I showed signs of, like, small signs of creativity in that sense when I was younger. I, I like to draw, but... My mom told me I never like colored within the lines anyway, so I guess she never thought I could do art. <laughs> but no, I had no inkling, I guess, after that because I guess when I started schooling, and I became like, I mean, I didn't know what to do with my life at that point of time. I guess mm -hmm. when the minute I started like secondary school, poly, and um, yeah, it was just like a day by day thing. I never really like pursued creativity or like the arts because you know they always say you cannot make money right yeah. or like you know you can't have a living with that and uh, unfortunately it's also the same case for a lot of people as well yeah so in Singapore I guess the whole mindset about doing art and actually making a living out of it is definitely going to be a difficult topic to talk about yeah um, but essentially there are people I know who are still living their dreams by pursuing art full-time as well and if I can do it for like past five years, I guess it should be okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, we don't need like expensive cars, right? So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you mean like no Lamborghini or anything? Isn't that the yeah. dream of every influencer? Every artist, yeah, every artist yeah. should have a Lamborghini. I have like a yeah. small one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you just said something quite interesting there because you mentioned about, you know, Singapore mm. art and, you know, painting and drawing. So you're even into more, even a greater niche like street art, right? Yeah. Like street art was where you really made your name. So, do you feel that support for you know support for artists is like very low in Singapore? But for street mm -hmm. art, when you you know started out and everything, wasn't it even like harder to convince people? No, the thing is that mean? when I use the streets, right? I mean, the key. Uh, let me just give some context as well because when I got arrested, people called me a vandal first. Yeah. And then after that, they, the next day in the papers, they called me an artist. Okay? <laughs> so that one is still a blur for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At a point that I had no intention to do so. It was by accident, you can say. You mean no intention to be labelled an artist? Yeah, because like I said, when I was at a point of time I was studying, mm -hmm. I was working and I was doing my, my magazine at a point of time when I was pursuing all those things, my plan was to start the agency which I just started mm -hmm. and I fostered that dream of having an agency, quitting that job and like, you know, doing these things for the artists I had no intention of being the artist myself mm -hmm. but the thing is that because of that period of time um, I had to reconsider my route it's not that I couldn't do the agency at a point of time, but it felt like I was so lost. You know, I didn't know what my identity was after that. Mm. And so as such, I started like, you know, hey, you know, if I'm going to do art, let's just do art. Let, oh. me just, let me just like, you know, people seem to like what I'm doing and they tell me not, not to stop. So I'm going to try and be an artist. I'm going to try and learn how to do all these artist things. And so I taught myself, um, I mean, I, I was part of a crew as well. So I learned how to spray paint, 
because they thought street artists should know how to paint, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that. Um, later on, I learned how to do watercolor. I learned sculpting. I had my own like small little toy business thing going on. When I did my own sculpts with my fr- uh, my then girlfriend, and um, yeah acrylic painting, all these different mediums. I tried all these things. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was an, a point of incubation that I never had. Um, if I was going to be an artist, I got to know my medium. But the thing is, I never really knew my medium. Wow, that's yeah. like, that means, it almost sounds accidental, this, this whole it artist is. career that you've really embarked on. Mm-hmm. So that means that, that sticker thing was your first kind of public, public art display? You can say that. And before that, you like your only artistic pursuits were like, were there any? There were. I mean, my background is in design. Um, I never studied design or never yeah. studied art, just to clarify that. Yeah. But when I was doing the, rec- the, the website recognition, I had to learn how to design. Mm-hmm. Because at that point of time, right, you literally, I have no money. Um, I can't pay someone to do all that stuff for me. Yeah. So I learned everything from scratch. Mm-hmm. So designing a website, I mean, I learned that. And then on top of that, you got to promote the website. So I started designing stickers. Uh, I started designing collateral. I started designing posters and I started designing like clothing. Mm-hmm. I like the whole like full package thing. And it was really because of recognition that I was exposed to the street community. And those are my closest friends. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I mean, they became family. Mm-hmm. So from there, that was when I was first exposed to street culture and you know, hang out at Haji Lane and all that kind of mm. stuff. And from there, it grew. La. That's why to me, when I see stickers on the streets, right, I don't really feel like it's anything that's, I don't feel it's vandalism or anything. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like, hey, this person's getting up, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and, and it's like a form of taking back the streets to advertise for local independent people, yeah. like, you know, who do their own thing. Yeah. And that's how I saw it. Mm. So I've been sticking stuff from 2010, 2009 maybe. I've been, I mean, I came out with like different ways of like interacting with the public using mm. the space. But the black and white stickers were the ones that really like caught on. And that took me like, I mean, that was like two years into designing already. Mm. Two, three years maybe. Two, so, two, yeah. So do you wish you went to design school? No. Why? <laughs> Well, I do wish that I had the foundation, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, I think without going to an institute to learn stuff like that, it gives me more free play. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, there are always some like principles that you, do, you have to like adhere to. Um, however, at the same time, I feel like I can feel a little bit lost. Yeah. But because I don't have those boundaries, I know I can play. Mm-hmm. So that way, I'm not restricted by a specific way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So I think that was very helpful. So then, is that something that you would tell younger people? Like, you know now, because you know in Singapore, whenever there's, there's a general perception that, oh, this is good, the, even the government, they make a push for it, maybe mm-hmm. wholehearted, maybe like semi-wholeheartedly almost, like, you know the sports school, yeah. oh, sports, they just build a sports school, but nothing comes out of it. And like, this and blah. It's always, they, they try and institutionalize this this like pushing our youth to a certain direction so what you just said is that which i totally agree with as well because we also didn't go to film school i studied mechanical engineering and business he did finance and psychology and now i'm making youtube videos and i totally agree with you what you said is that if we were to have gone to film school yeah you almost get 
brainwash into this little bubble that you have to do it this way. Whereas starting off YouTube and going from short form to long form has really uh, given us a different approach. Yeah. So how, how would you kind of balance that? Like uh, you are a perfect example of someone who didn't study design who ended up doing design and is killing it. Versus this whole institutional push like, oh, more creative schools, more creative courses. Let's make kids do creative classes when they're five and six. <laughs> well, the thing is that, I mean, we are all like living testaments that we never really come out doing things that we studied, mm. right? And I think I can speak the same for a lot of people that I know as well. Yeah, and that's sacrilegious in Singapore know. for you to say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. like some people will have like degrees in accounting, but they're doing like, they're baking cakes. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and, but it's, it's it's just based on the time that we're at right now. There's a lot of, there's a rise in entrepreneurship, yeah. you know? And I mean, we have our parents to thank because they're the ones who set the foundation. At the same time, um, we are able to like, be kind of free from what they had before, what they were struggling with before. So we are able to like, think of what we want. Mm-hmm. Then together with that comes existential crisis and a lot of people don't know what they want to do. Yeah. But at the same time, if, if going to the arts is... Or, or going to art schools and all these institutions, it's going to be a way for them to actually figure it out along the way. Even if they don't come out doing so, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if I always believe that as long as your heart is in it, you can literally really do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I was able to, like, like learn... I mean, I never knew how to draw. I never knew how to paint. You know, if I really wanted to do it right, I know I can. And I've been, like... Like, my last solo show was just all paintings. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You guys, like, you know, you've been, you, you guys didn't study, like, journalism or mm-hmm. anything in the media, but you came out, you knew what was needed because you wanted to do it. Yeah. You will find out what you want to do and you will learn anything and everything just so that you can make it work. Mm-hmm. That's the point. That's the whole thing. If anything we should be taught, it should be that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if going to school for maybe, like, 10 years of your life, right, in, like, maybe a place like Sota or, like, any other art institution or whatnot. Yeah or any institution actually if anything that is only going to show you what you want and what you don't want mm. and if you going if you still don't know when you go out to work in that line of choice you probably figure out this is what I don't want to do that's what happened to me i mean i had a diploma prior to the degree i had a diploma in food science and nutrition oh, yeah yeah related yeah. to visual arts I, yeah. super you know <laughs> i had to look at like food and i had to look at like you know qa qc kind of stuff <laughs> I, I went out, my first job, my proper job yeah. I did was at Marigold. Uh-huh. So I did quality assurance. So I literally was at a lab, right? Testing out like Vitagen, testing out like protein content and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Really. And I was there for like, yeah, I was there for quite a while. So, okay, maybe about one, a year and a half. Uh-huh. Then I figured out I didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> so it took me like, Maybe 21 years of my life yeah. to figure out that's not, I want, not what so I want. So this was before you studied business management? That's right. I see. Yeah. But I did read that you had an exhibition where you used Vitagen bottles, right? Yakult. Oh, Yakult bottles. No, but I painted Yakult bottles. Uh, but yeah. do you think in some way, like you doing that one and a half years of Yakult, <laughs> was it Yakult or like Marigold? Marigold is Vitagen. Vitagen. Uh, Yakult yeah. is on its own. So do you yeah. think that laid the seed that Came out. No lah. <laughs> Are you sure? No, no, no. Because the reason why I used Yakult bottles was because, um, I mean, not specific to any Yakult or whatever brand, yeah. but more like cultured milk in itself, was because the whole point in saying that was that my Yakult or my Vitagen was more cultured than you. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> that yeah. was the only reason the context that I used it in. Yeah. Yeah. And it was at affordable art fair. Yeah. Yeah. Where and people bought art and commodified it. I see. I see. <laughs> I think just now you said something a line that I also saw in some interviews you did about taking back the streets. Actually, can define like who are we taking it? Who are, who do you yeah. think you're taking it back from? And like, why why this concept of taking back something that's already just out there in the public? If you think about it, right? If you feel nervous or anything about putting something out in public spaces isn't that a feeling of the, the fact that that doesn't belong to you yeah yeah that, that's exactly but, but so it's, it's a bit like i mean you, even when you post something on facebook sometimes you go oh shit should i do it you know well then why are you shit. thinking of like why are you considering when when you have that moment of hesitation like Just personally what, what people think of you and, and what's your yeah public perception essentially right yeah and in public spaces is it about the same thing but oh. think about it, no one knows you. Yeah. If you, no one knows about, like, you know, unless you put your name. Some people, if you, even if you put your name, right, no one will know who is it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, in a public space, do you feel the same way if, let's say, it's you who wants to put something out? What, what is the hesitation that you feel? Do you feel any? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, for us, it's even just filming in Singapore. Uh-huh. We always have that, oh shit, should we be filming here? You know, like, then I'm thinking, actually, why, what's wrong? You know, it's a, it's a public road, right? So, why can't we film here? Right. And then we, we try to get over that, but I always have that that fear. Yeah. So, so I, I I felt like what you're saying was interesting and like like who like in your mind who 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 is the real enemy in this case? So to speak. right. So we always think like society, government, or whatnot. Okay, I mean for vandalism, it's already <laughs> a but like a proper like you know a law, yeah. right? But the usage of it is what's interesting mm. because you know we pay taxes. We call. I mean, we are citizens of this country. We are members of the public, and hence, the public space belongs to us. But yet, yeah. it doesn't. Mm. Um, whatever we put up, of course, we have to be mindful. Just like what you put on the internet, mm. we have to be mindful and responsible for whatever we, that we put out, mm. right? So, in essence, when I say take back. It means we like empowering ourselves again with the fact that this is the space that we use. Why can't we interact with it? Mm. And when we take back the spaces, it's taking it back from whoever governs it. I'm not talking about housing, okay? This is different. Mm, yeah. We're talking about um, taking it back from advertisers as well who pay money to have their work or have their products listed out there to sell us ideas that we may not want to subscribe to. Mm. We are taking it back from these people who are trying to make us think something. Why not we tell you how we feel about that? Mm. And, you know, we are a self-policing society. When we put out something, of course we're going to think, oh my God, is this like going to be bad? Or that's why we hesitate. But in essence, if at a point of time, I really felt that this was something I needed a lot of people to see. So the reason why they call me a street artist is because my work's on the streets. But I never saw myself as that because I was using the streets to say something. Mm. And I can say what I want in different mediums, but I chose the streets because I wanted people to see it. Mm-hmm. And who are these people? The members of the public. Mm-hmm. And which is why I use public spaces. So for other street artists, for other graffiti artists, it's about taking back the spaces and showing that they exist. Mm-hmm. We exist. By writing your names in tags, it is a louder shout for the longest time about who this person is. We exist. This is what it means for graffiti. 
when we, when we take back spaces, it's to re-empower ourselves, to share messages that we believe in. It's like love letters to the government, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. So that term in itself, if we were to use it, I mean, I mean that's why I use it. That's why mm-hmm. I use public spaces. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to go from there. I think if you ask me a couple of years back, I would be like really angry about it and like, yeah. you know, really coming up about it. But essentially, it is, it is about sharing the same sentiments as other people. Mm-hmm. It's about maybe representing a minority group or like a group that, of people who actually feel this way, but we don't dare to speak up about it. So <clears throat> by doing something small, or maybe large scale or whatnot. It can be in like commission murals or like even murals or or just putting something out in public. And if it can resonate with someone else, you might be able to trigger something within them mm-hmm. that might lead to something good or bad. Essentially, at the end of the day, we are responsible for the messages that we put out, right? Yeah. And as long as we adhere to that, we speak from the heart, we can definitely connect with more people and that's the human part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you said your first sticker you put out was something along the lines of slow the fuck down. Yeah, yeah. So was that a message that you really wanted to get out at that point mm. in time? Yeah, that was a start. That was, but, so, so that means there was <laughs> what 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 inspired that phrase? Like was it something that you were genuinely like, guys, Singapore, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Fuck out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you were that. Exactly. Yeah, because uh-huh. now the the whole point of it, right, was it was based off observations because we were moving from one point from point A to point B, like you know, without even like looking anywhere else or without even thinking, we're just like commuting. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So in doing so, we kind of like not we kind of walk around like this. So we don't really see what's going on so much. Sometimes we even see something, we just like, you know, like stand by and like just let it happen or like whatever else. So when I did that, right, I wanted people to like just chill. Mm-hmm. I just wanted them to like stop and take a look at our surroundings. Yeah. So that was the very, very first one. Yeah. And the others in that, and at that point in time, what were the other messages like? The, I had nothing, man. I had nothing. nothing? At that point in time, I thought you said there were eight designs. Oh, you mean, oh, right. Sorry, I, I, I can clarify this. Yeah. Slow the fuck down came before I even thought about doing the traffic light designs. Okay. Yeah. So that was the first one, and then I had nothing else. Oh, so that was the. That was uh, yeah. I just want to do it. I want to get it out there first. I see. I see. And then the but the things I never pasted it anywhere because I couldn't figure out where to paste it. Yeah. So that's why when I like oh it can work there. So from Mm. there I did eight designs. I see. Yeah. So that was like so kanchong for what? Uh, No need to press so many times. Yeah. No need to press so hard. I don't know, I can't remember, but like, yeah, there were eight lah at the time. The, and do you, where you pasted it, right? Where did you end up pasting it? Was it in the CBD mainly? Um, all over Singapore, actually. Oh, all over Singapore. So not yeah. concentrated in certain areas. No, like. no. I gave them out as well, so the reach was extended. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so then, then what do you say against the argument that people often say is like, you should behave in a way such that if everybody behaves that way, uh, it can still be sustainable, because you know you could argue that if everybody pays their messages on the streets, then what are the streets going to become? So how you deal with that sort of that sort of argument? Has, like you, broken window you, theory. There's, what's the broken window theory? I, th- I think something oh, along those lines. The tipping point, right? Yeah. It's about is it? uh, it's about if you see even one broken window, then generally you feel like lawlessness is uh, you know is a lot, uh, and then that's why crime perpetuates itself. 
Okay. Um, so his theory was that if you, I mean, it was based on, I mean, observation of the New York subway, I think. If you clean up the subway, if you fix all the broken windows, yeah, that's the first step to letting people don't know that, you know, we don't mess around, we don't fuck around with, with even the most basic stuff. And so don't try and, you know, uh, do any crime or whatever. And then apparently that supposedly helped to... Perpetuates the cycle of... Mm. Of cleaning up, yeah, cleaning up the city. So, so that was the, the theory of the tipping point, huh? that the bro- just one broken window can cause that sort of perception. So are you saying that you were the broken window? I don't like know. Like a sticker? I don't know, but a lot of people were like mentioning that theory at a yeah. point in time. That's how I grew to know about it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, like, uh, has anyone asked you that before? Like, oh, so you kind of saw, I guess the broken window theory kind of implies that. Like, yeah. like just one thing that's off could like cause a whole chain of events exactly. that cause an anarchy in society. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so how, how, do you, how do you respond to that? Oh, at a point in time, I just didn't, didn't respond. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> but I think, yeah, I mean, it, it could be. I mean, I think it did spawn like a couple more people actually doing stuff like that outside, I guess. I, I, um, I mean, I'm not confident to say so, but I feel like there, there was. Mm, but in essence, I think more than anything, I hope the intention is what registers, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, I can't really say for sure that all the graffiti out there was like done after my my work because graffiti in Singapore has been around for like from the 90s yeah so it's whether we see it or not right so if we play on that you can't really say that what I've done will actually open up more when the culture is already there mm-hmm. if anything yeah maybe more people will actually want to do something along the lines of stickers and stuff like that but I think it's whether it really catches on or not yeah and the thing is that that's how I got arrested you know, from what I've noticed, right, if a complaint is not lodged, you, you should be fine. <laughs> so it means someone lodged a complaint. Someone lodged a complaint. <laughs> the, the, the LTA lah. LTA. <laughs> but how yeah. did they, how did they how did they trace it back to you because of like the Facebook oh, post? I, I don't know. Yeah. It might be it might be so. A lot of people actually ask me the question as well. Uh-huh. How did they manage to get you? Yeah. Um, I I don't know per se, but I know I have some ideas. Um. One of the biggest clues was when the police showed up at my house. I, I was never caught red-handed. Mm. And um, they just showed up at my place. About six of them, I think. And um, plain clothes. They came in and like, hi, um, we're looking for, for Samantha Six Lowe. of them? Yeah, six. six. 9 p.m. <laughs> Sunday. Um, oh. And, um, and they, don't, they don't call or anything beforehand, right? They just no, show up. Okay. No, but my mom recalled seeing like, one of them like, outside our house. Like the night before, so they shit. So uh, maybe it was like a stakeout or something. But well, what happened when they came? So they asked me, like, you know, um, are you are you a part of this? I mean, do you do this? Do you spray paint my grandfather road? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I mean, not really. Mm -hmm. And they're like, so why is it on your Facebook? Mm -hmm. So the thing is that to give some context to that Facebook Mm -hmm. part. Um, I spray painted my grandfather road about two weeks before I got arrested. Mm. The news about the spray paint on the road came out the next day right after I painted it. Mm-hmm. It was viral. A lot of people were sharing that link and I was just watching it all on Facebook. And who published the article? I don't remember. Initially, I think I think someone from the government bodies thought that LTA did that. They're like, oh, ha, 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 it's so, so funny. So cool, so <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in Re- the end, they realized it wasn't. It uh-huh. wasn't done by then. It wasn't sanctioned. Oh, 
<coughs> and then they took the post down. Yeah. But oh. the thing is that the article itself still went up. Yeah. I don't know if it's Straits Times or CNA or whatnot, but yeah. it was up. And um, I just, I didn't post it. I didn't repost it or anything. I just waited. Until like it kind of tied down already, right? Then I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm gonna share it, you know. I'm oh, just gonna share yeah, it. So yeah. I'm like one of those people who share it. Yeah. Basket, that was the one that was my undoing, la, you know. <laughs> so that's why when they came in, then why is it on your Facebook? Then uh-huh. I'm like, oh shit, so Facebook. Uh Yeah. So, types, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so the article painted it as like an anonymous graffiti artist, did it? Yes. Uh? To be honest, my work, um, the street work that I did, was on the news about three times before my final arrest. Okay. Yeah. So the first time it came out was in 2011 in November, mm. and I remember um, the article title was, <coughs> I think it was like less than amused or something like that. Uh-huh. LTA uh-huh. not amused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something along those lines. And then less than amused also spells out LTA. <laughs> oh, less than amused. Wow. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much pretty much uh-huh. the name at the point of time. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, at a point in time, they did not know my identity yet. No one knew. Uh-huh. So that was the first time it went on the news. And that was when I was like, well, I better like, you know, relax a bit. Lah. Yeah. And then the second time it went up was in uh, maybe March 2012. Yeah, and they said the stickers are still around. So this was <laughs> the stickers, not the graffiti? Not yet. The graffiti, yet. I only went in like May. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> so, so you said you were staying with your mom, right? Yeah, I was staying Did your parents. mom know about all this? Yeah, they knew. So how, how did they feel about this? Uh? When the first news article came out in November, she brought it to a family dinner. I said, hey, she did this. Oh, man, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> they had no idea how serious it would be <laughs> if yeah. I got arrested. I think yeah. it's that, that generation like appearing in a newspaper is a huge thing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. it could yeah, be yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it could be about the whole newspaper. Like, oh my God, wow, <laughs> newspaper. Yeah, 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 it could be, it could be. So then when, they, when you got arrested, how did they react? Not so good lah. Complete opposite lah from the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can laugh about it now, but it was like really fucked up back then. Yeah. Um, sure. It was actually really like quite, I've never seen my family like that upset. Um, not not like angry, but like just, you know the worst feelings when they're disappointed? Mm-hmm. You know that, yeah. how that stinging feeling? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. That was like exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was in lockup and when they picked me up from the lockup and um, they, I, I, you know, bear in mind that when I was taken in, all my stuff was taken, like, mm. confiscated as well. So my laptop, my phone, all this stuff remained with the police. And um, my parents picked me up after I was let out. And um, I was heading back and I had no forms of communication with anybody. And um, So you were locked up for how, uh, that period of time was how? 22 hours or that. La. It was quite okay. short still. Quite okay. short still. I mean, a lot. Some it, the max is 48. La. Mm. So um, when I was let out, yeah, when I was home, and then I remembered, like, it, it, my family and I, we had to talk about, like, how terrible it was. And, like, you know, my dad was, like, really, really upset. Mm-hmm. And he was a very strong man, you know? But to see him like that, it really, like, broke me. And mm-hmm. my mom was just trying to keep things together. Okay. So, and I thought, like, the first thought I had after that, after they went upstairs, and I was thinking, I, I need to get in touch with my friends to see if they're okay. Because I had one friend with me. Mm. I had to like give him a heads up and so um, I borrowed my, my dad's laptop and then I went on Skype to look for my friends and so bear in mind before all this I had no connection whatsoever to like any anyone in the social media scene or anyone there and so when I opened it up right I went on Facebook 
And then I saw all these black circles take a, like profile pictures coming oh. up. Oh yeah. shit. And that was like, yeah, what is yeah. going on? How the hell did I had no oh, idea. Yeah. I was in lockup, what right? I remember, yeah. And it's so I 20, got like twenty four hours that then. Yes, exactly. Because apparently and then I got on, on Skype with my friend and she's like, Dude, are you alright? I'm like, Yeah, I'm okay, what's what's going on? She was like, Yeah, your your article is out on, on CNA. I think it was CNA or Asia One. Yeah. I was like, What? I was because before that right I was telling her, Okay, dude, I think my hearing right is in a week lah. Because that's what the people I was locked up with were saying. Because yeah. they were like, Oh, you know, normally I, you know, I come in maybe about one week then they like, you know, like process, then after I go into jail already. Then I, was like, I thought that was gonna be my story too. You see? <laughs> okay. I had no idea. Okay? Yeah. So when um I told I told her like, okay, so if I have to go to court, right, can you please like cover my face? Like, you know, this is before I go onto Facebook. Sorry, I should have like cleared that up. Yeah. yeah. So before I, that, then I was talking to her, I was like, can you please cover my face? I don't want anyone to see that was me. I don't want to make it a big deal yeah, or anything like that. Like walking to court. That, that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to connect that kind of thing, right? <laughs> uh-huh. So I told her like, please like, cover my face or like, you know, please help me out. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't want to be known for this. Then she's yeah. like, but Sam is already on, it's already on Asia 1. <laughs> then I was like, oh. Then she sent me the article. I'm like, oh, fuck. And then, and I was like, this is a really big deal because all my stuff was just laid out mm. <laughs> like a bloody flat lay kind of thing. Yeah. And then I went on Facebook. That was when I went Wait, on Facebook. Wait, all your stuff meaning your buildings or something? Or my your, stencil. Your, oh, okay. My stickers. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, sorry for like the, the chronological order. It's, it's right, like right. so long ago and yeah. I'm like trying to dig it all up right now. Yeah. But yeah, correct. So, um, the Asia One article she showed me, I went on Facebook then. And then I saw all the black circle stickers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so if the article come out already, and then I see all these black circle stickers, and then I open up my, my page, my, my own like, you know, Facebook like profile, and tons of messages were on it. Yeah. And I was like, confirm they know it's me already. Uh, <laughs> so that, that was, but it was amazing because in those messages, they were messages of support. Yeah. And I was like, crying man in front of my laptop because this was so heartwarming I'll mm-hmm. never forget that feeling of like mm-hmm. seeing that support because honestly without that right I don't think I would have made it through mm-hmm. really I, sh- I brought it down straight away to my parents I showed them like look this is the support this is what's happening mm-hmm. right now Yeah. and then from there they were like oh maybe it's not so bad mm-hmm. and that really helped so much I will always be grateful for that yeah. outpour and really it's because of social media in itself as well yeah for like you know perpetuating like for actually like spreading the message about it and everything mm-hmm. without that support without that being known I don't think I would have been my family and I I don't think we would have been able to like see the good side in things yeah you know and that's why when people say keep doing what you're doing I listen and I want to do that yeah I think mm-hmm. that's why I went right into art yeah what is this like because I was just thinking earlier what you said a love letter to the to yeah. the government to the public because like such an experience I think most people would be thinking that you come out really angry but what I'm hearing now is that there was almost like a big silver lining that you really saw like people were hearing your message uh, people were responding to your art yeah, yeah. so is, is that the I mean in the last five years or so it says that has that like um feeling grown in terms of like you know showing love to the public always, always. has grown since 2012 
I mean, it's my work isn't always going to be inspired by people. Is because of the interviews, it is because of interactions with people and observations that made me create what I do. I mean, made me create what I do, like create la. So, in essence, right? I don't think I would stop. Mm. My work is a commentary on the social condition, the human conditions, and really, if anything, I want to keep doing that. I feel like sense of like accountability in that sense, mm-hmm. you know, and.、Um, If no one else is gonna say that, I have to say it. And for the past five years, the reason why I went to so many different mediums was to try and find the one that、I、could say the strongest.、Mm-hmm. I never found a medium because whatever I wanted to say just didn't feel like it suited the medium,、mm-hmm. or vice versa, actually. So then, at what point? Because、uh, there was a point when you must have been freaking out that it was like, what the hell is happening? At what point did it did it like go over the edge to become like something that you You felt like you did something very meaningful, and you knew that it was going to be what you had to do. Was there a specific? When、memory? I first started doing it, it was like a prank. Yeah. It was like、mm-hmm. a joke. Yeah. Like a but it was like an inside joke that I wanted people to relate to. Yeah. When I did that, I I said I was taking back the streets to make them feel like Singapore again.、Mm-hmm. That was my motivation back then, to make it feel like Singapore because everything I felt was very homogenous. We couldn't really see the surroundings that we could relate to.、Mm. All these like playgrounds that we could relate to being、yeah. taken down and stuff like yeah, that. So yeah, that was the reason why I said specifically taking back. And、um, in doing so, I guess what was really cool was that it resonated. I mean, prior to my arrest already, right? It was already viral. Like、mm. a lot of the stickers went viral already, because I I know that because a lot of people were tagging me. Okay,、mm. that was also <laughs> the problem. Um, but in essence, because that was, because that was happening, because it was going viral, because I was like, seeing all these things happen, I knew that people liked it.、Mm-hmm. Of course, I want to keep doing it.、Mm-hmm. And so, as the designs built on, and and I started doing more, and then when I got arrested, I was thinking, I, I never really expected anyone to actually lend a hand or、mm-hmm. support. When I did it, I really did it because. I really wanted to do it. Yeah, I really felt it was a meaningful thing to do, and if people can resonate with it, that was an extra, that was a bonus, that was great because that was my intention.、Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I've always been a person who never really expected anything in return,、mm-hmm. but when that happened, right, I was like, of course blown away. So seeing that art could actually relate to people that way, why not use it, and do greater things with it? You、mm-hmm. know what I mean, and that's. Ever since that time, I've been trying to better it. Yeah, I was lost for a good three, four years. After that, what is it? Yeah, because I was still trying to figure out what I was gonna do. Yeah, and then because I couldn't find a medium, I couldn't use my artist's voice. I then what was the point of my existence?、Mm-hmm. And so I went through this entire period of like trying to figure that shit out. And it's only recently when I'm able to feel confident again, and that's why last year my first solo show. And after a long time,、um, I launched all these stickers again, and I created more.、Mm-hmm. And the minute I realized that I could create more, it was important because that meant that I was back to being myself again.、Mm-hmm. That was the scariest period of my life.、Mm-hmm. Okay, the thing is that I've been trying to better myself and trying to live up to everyone's expectations in the entire span of time. They could easily say, "Hey, why don't you do something big again?" 
you think I don't want me. Yeah. You think I don't want to like you know say the same things um, or like you know create the same work or even better work man. I've been trying, okay? Mm. And these things don't come easy, especially when there's like these expectations. Yeah. And then I learned to be kind with myself or after all those years. And when I created when I realized that I was better, I only realized it when I could create work in the same vein. And that took years. Mhm. So I guess that way I learned a lot and in doing so it, it was a big turning point in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, so yeah. But this during this learning process, I know you did that that huge chalk paint. Yeah. My grandfather wrote yeah. uh, the drone shot and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was during the phase where you were still figuring things out or, or you I were, think I found I you found out oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I was more confident. That was before my solo show. I see. The I see. one that I was mentioning. Yeah. yeah. So that was the moment I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna fucking take it back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna like, you know, I never showed my grandfather road. Like, you know, I never did a replicas or anything like yeah. after the arrest. See, any anything to do with my work during the arrest was very sensitive to me because a lot of people were already bastardizing it during my arrest. Mm-hmm. So whatever I created with that, right, I always felt it was them cheapened. You yeah. know, I didn't like it at all. So yeah. I took a big hiatus from that world. Yeah. And so, um, but when I felt like I could really like have confidence in myself again as an artist or I actually knew what I wanted to say I was reconnecting I was kind of myself that was when I'm like you know what let's just do this mm-hmm. let's just paint the biggest my grandfather road yeah. let's do it in chalk so they can't do shit yeah. <laughs> so that was that was the time I did it and then after that the solo show which was all the works on the streets and new ones and because I could create in the same vein I knew that I was better mm-hmm. and that was when I knew I'm ready Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now here I am. Wow. Damn. Yeah. And even I mean <laughs> I I recall that because like just the fact that it was used, they had to use a drone. You guys had to use a drone. Yeah. To this shoot was it. <laughs> This was a while back when yeah. there was no like you know small drones. Like There's it's like you really got to plan like a, quite a while. To, I, to I had a really like good like I had a really good camera crew. Yeah. Because yeah. I really knew that the work was going to be about like three hundred meters wide yeah. thereabouts. Crazy, yeah. And I was like, there's no way we can see it like yeah, you know yeah. from this angle. So I'm like, can you try and get a drone? I don't think it was even like licensed in the area. Yeah, yeah. And then now, now but it's they were so cool <laughs> about it. They were like, yeah, okay. It was a huge drone, right? Because back then the drones weren't that. Compact. No, actually. It wasn't even that long ago. It was only in 2016. Eh. Oh, 2016? Yeah, yeah, the grandfather wrote was 2016. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is that I got um, released on charges like in 2013 until 2016, right? These three years, right, were the hell years for me. Mm-hmm. That was the years like the existential crisis and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So in 2016, that was when I'm like, okay, I think I can do this shit again. Yeah. So yeah, that was done then. And that was the, the Mavic... Um, the Phantom Yeah Also it's not that big la. Oh it's still It's still I mean, quite big It's still big it's still, But it's not like a huge No no it's not no. huge but It's the white one we had right? Yeah it's the white one we had yeah. It's just that it wasn't As easy to fly back then And everything see? So, oh, yeah, so that was where I was like Oh shit yeah. You know They actually did this so but that was quite good yeah. So during those three years Did you at every point Like think You know what Fuck Singapore I'm done No No How come No I mean, sometimes I wanted to like leave, yeah, but not yeah. fuck Singapore because they didn't appreciate the work or anything. Yeah, no, not yeah. like that, not like that. But it was more like I need to get out so I can like you know breathe again, so I can like you know maybe find inspiration abroad. 
or like you know stuff like that. Yeah. It was more for that purpose. But I mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever say bye to Singapore that way, or even say bye to Singapore because honestly, it's for the people here I create for. Yeah. yeah. There is no point in creating anywhere else because it is from them I draw inspiration from, and I'm, it's to them I want to talk to. Yeah. So there's no reason for me to leave, and I don't want to. I want to make things better here. At least try, mm-hmm. you know. Wow, that's yeah, that's, that's very respectable. I mean, we, we, talk, we talk to people in uh, entertainment media and everyone's like, oh, you know, Singapore's a terrible place. But like, you know, well, who, who's actually make, trying to make changes and all that? Uh, that's what we always ask. So uh, like, that's why when you said love yeah. that, I felt like, wow, okay, that's, that's a great way to look at it. But um, is there like a, when you've gone around, is there, you know, a, a lot of people say, oh, if you're not happy with stuff in Singapore, just leave. Uh. But mm-hmm. is there a place around the world that you think is an ideal that Singapore should be striving towards or, no, you know? I, I don't know because to be honest every country deals with things differently mm-hmm. based on the people who inhabit the country I would say that if someone really wants to leave they should I wouldn't mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't like fight that you know a lot of like the government a lot of like people actually want like no why don't you just stay you don't stay in Singapore we're great but like you know honestly if I think that we are only meant to thrive in a particular place where our environment actually encourages us as individuals to do so. Mm-hmm. We, it doesn't mean that this, this country doesn't, if this country doesn't help you grow or like doesn't make you feel comfortable about yourself, then go somewhere else that would, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's not easy to go somewhere else in the first place, but if you actually did go the distance, you might actually find that it might pay off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, before going somewhere completely different and like thinking you're going to do better there, of course, do your research. You know, yeah. that's why we travel. We find out the culture of the place is something that we can relate to and we can actually thrive in. Mm-hmm. So that's why traveling is so important. A lot of times we travel and you come back we're like, actually Singapore is actually quite good. Uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's my point exactly. Yeah. If you're really complaining about the place, you can leave or you can try and make it better. Mm-hmm. To me, I chose to stay. Yeah. Because the reason why we all exist here, even you guys, is to actually try to make a change about something because mm-hmm. you're reacting to what's happening now. And because you're reacting to what's happening now, that means some things here need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And you guys are trying. Yeah. That's the whole point of us being here, to try and change something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's why we're not doing anything in our, uh, de- our qualifications. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing something because we want to, because yeah. we feel there's a need to. And that's mm-hmm. what we have to acknowledge and recognize why we are here now. Hmm. Yeah. So do you think between 2012 and 2017 things have changed in in the how is it general I don't know appreciation for the arts or art, like even artist mentality themselves? Do you think anything has changed? Mm, well, definitely there's a lot more um, looking inwards, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more like local art, artists and musicians. They're all like they're getting up there, yeah. which is a really good thing. There's um, a lot more support. Um, for well street art itself was like a huge thing back yeah. then and then now it's like I mean like they went down a little bit but the thing is that in Singapore right, it's all in trends right mm. so like everything like even like street art itself or like different trends in art there are like different ups and downs yeah. even in like you know whatever that we know um, but essentially I think there is more emphasis or like more exposure to the arts now in, in terms of the general public mm-hmm. And so I think right now they're looking at engagement. So I guess that's where the next move is going to. Mm-hmm. They want more people to be engaged and that's why all this like 
griefs that we see. Oh, the artwork mm. has to be Instagrammable. Mm. <laughs> oh, even you've actually seen it in a brief. Yes. Damn. Yes. Instagrammable. Must be square. Cannot be a rectangle. No lah. I mean, like you know, it has to be something that people can like. Oh, look at us. You know, look at us. Like you know, it's a photo booth. Oh no, but it's not just a photo booth. You know, that kind of thing. So yeah, there there is like you know interest in that area. Um, however. I don't say it's a super bad thing all to all the way. Yeah. I mean, it's bad because people might think that's what good art should be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is also good, I guess, because more people can engage with it, and mm-hmm. they that might be their barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. So if it's like lower, more people can be exposed to it by even just taking pictures with it or interacting with it. I think that's a good start. Mm-hmm. You know. And I hope from then on the idea of art would evolve to be something more meaningful. Yeah. Let's just take this as the introduction. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you uh, it's interesting to me that in the era of social media, I think you were the first one that you know where street art really uh, was taken differently by authorities and also the public, right? Mm. So when you see in more recent times stuff like that student who you know wrapped gold foil on her. Oh, for yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think uh, the artist Jing Quack also put yeah, Jing. Uh, the Jingapore thing that they, they took down because people yeah, said it was... different context. La. <laughs> Jing has been doing this for damn long. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. You know, I featured his own recognition like back then as well. Yeah. Fella is cool. I haven't met him in person though. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. I met him once at the mm. PS4. But, but yeah, just... So when you saw that, that they say that the HDB, that gold foil thing, do you see parallels with, with what, what went on for you and, and like... Um, what do you, what do you do you meet up with the person and then give any advice or anything? No lah, well, who am I to like do that kind of thing? No, no, OG, OG, OG. <laughs> it's but no, but it doesn't mean that I have to be like you know because I've been through it then you know you should no I'm not like that. But but the thing is that um a lot of people were drawing the parallels for me at a point mm-hmm. in time I was just like okay I'm gonna do my own thing yeah, you know? yeah. and then like the news came out I'm like oh okay cool cool. And then more people started tagging me in it. Then I'm like, yeah. okay, now what? Now I have to uh, like say something about it. Because to me, right, if you want something to thrive, you have to ignore it. Mm. You get what if I you mean? you want something to thrive, you have Especially to... in a street art context, you have to ignore it. As if you want to see you more of something... You as the artist? No, you as the public. Oh, okay, you as the That's my oh. belief. The thing is that... Okay. I know it's a little bit confusing, yeah. but let me mm. clarify that. The thing is that the minute more people make noise about it, right, con- asking whether it constitutes art or vandalism, right, that bloody conversation is never going anywhere, okay? Mm. You can say a lot about it, but the thing is that if you want more of it to thrive, right, don't draw so much attention to it, so it will pop up more organically around your shores uh-huh. and you'll be able to experience it yourself. That mm, way, the artist will never be found, or maybe. That way, there won't be so much negative attention on it, so there'll be less likely, I mean, it'll be less likely people will complain about it. Yeah, and mm. if people complain about it, you probably lead to an arrest, and then you stop seeing the artworks around already. But then, mm. see my point. On the flip side, because um, the first guest on our show was Fucker Fuzz, mm. so just talking to him and you, as as much as you guys had traumatic experiences with that law, right? It almost seems like because you know what happened to to him. No, I never asked him. Yeah, yeah. No, his wasn't law, no. Yeah, but, yeah, but it was can... still like so. What he did, a, he did a joke when he was performing in Singapore that made fun of the Malaysian Prime Minister. Oh. It was actually a good joke, but and and I wouldn't say like it was just yeah a very one line thing which was hilarious. But uh, I think he said when his page had like three four thousand likes at that point in time, he posted a video consciously knowing that okay it might rouse some feathers, and it went shit bonkers in Malaysia. And some of the youth leaders 
like just started calling now and it became such an issue that it got even reached mm. BBC BBC wrote an article about it <laughs> so he said he was very scared he started getting death threats now yeah. but at the yeah. same time he got some calls from youth politician, politicians in Malaysia who were in support of what he said because as we all know Malaysia is like eh, you know so then it opened up the whole Malaysia market for him and it kind of legitimized him as a comedian who speaks his mind like God, yeah. Job. So, so it was yeah. awesome, and he said that that I mean now he has a show in Malaysia. It sells out fast. Singapore it sells out fast. <laughs> yeah. So hearing that, and then hearing, so he also had a very traumatic experience. Yeah. All the questions I asked you, I asked him as well. Like, what was the turning point? So now hearing your experience, where, I mean, thankfully you guys have carved something out of it, and full credit to you and Fuzz because, not to say that everyone who goes through trauma will come out of it stronger, mm-hmm. but but it almost seems like as an artist, even Sunny Liu. You know, the, the art of Charlie Chan Hock Chai got a lot of buzz when the NAC rescinded funds. It's almost like just the step to become successful artist, piss off authority, become famous. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, so so what is your whole take on that? Because what you said about how to ignore it, you see more of it. But I mean, for me, if your art doesn't rile up something in someone, right, then it's kind of like a middle ground that is not doing its job as art, like. Right. So, so that's why when you heard that, I was like, hmm. That's, no, that's not what I meant. Yeah. Like, you know, it, not that you mean it shouldn't rile up people. Uh-huh. It can rile you up, yeah. but you can choose not to act on that. Mm-hmm. Meaning you can choose not to like, oh my God, this is amazing or whatnot. You can share it with people. Yeah. But try to relax a little bit. Because, Slow the fuck down. Right? Yeah, correct. Like, chill the fuck <laughs> out, actually. Yeah. Because uh-huh. honestly, right, if you draw a lot of attention to something, right, there'll be more idiots who actually come in as well and also say, oh, that is actually like vandalism. Mm-hmm. When you have something like that happening, right, then there'll be a lot of people like, you know, looking at it. And then in the end, what happens is that there will be some sort of backlash mm-hmm. in a form of unrest, in a form of like, I don't know, something traumatic as well. Mm-hmm. And that's, I guess what I'm trying to avoid is that traumatic experience. Yeah. I've been through that shit, you know, it, mm-hmm. it took me like five years to get out of it. Like. Yeah. And honestly, right, if anything, yeah, cool. I mean, like, if you can, like, 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 you not know, bring your career forward, yeah, I mean, good for you. But honestly, right, when you do something, right, you should do it because you want to. Mm-hmm. You should do it because you feel like it's meaningful enough for everybody. You see, when Fast made that joke, right, he made it in a he's bloody bold, I have to yeah, say. Yeah. Okay, but he thought it was genuinely funny. Yeah. You know, he thought it could really work, and we were actually at the time that you know they could probably be acceptable, acceptable of it. Mm-hmm. But that happened. You see, for him, that's media. But when we're talking right now, it's in the arts. Yeah. Where, of course, you want to disturb the comforter. Mm-hmm. Of course, you want to like rile them up. Yeah. I'm not saying that you shouldn't react to it. What I'm saying is that you can react to it. Please react to it. Yeah. But please relax a little bit. Don't mm-hmm. go like, oh, this artist, uh, like, you know, he's, he's posted up his stuff. Everyone look at it. Yeah. The minute more attention is drawn over there, then the min- everyone's going to find out who it is. And then you're going to see less of that work. Mm. That work is going to be a one-hit thing. So it's more you it's more for appreciate longevity. it rather than just kind of almost vilify it in yeah. that way. Because the more people appreciate it, the more people also vilify it. Yeah. Because there will always be someone with something to say. Yeah. And the higher chance that happens, right? In the end, what happens is that more attention is going to be drawn to that area. Yeah. And then that, this person might eventually be put down. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is might seem a little bit confusing. But this is for the longevity of the work. Yeah. If I never got found out, I'll keep doing it. I'll yeah. tell you that. Yeah. But because that shit happened, I can't. Or more like, I try to find other ways to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so in essence, I think that's what I feel. 
with regards to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not encouraging people to like get out there and like, oh my god, like try and gain attention to do that kind of stuff. You know, it's mm-hmm. that's okay. That's actually one more thing that people actually felt after I got arrested. But to be honest, right, that yeah, that that episode did help me. It also brought me a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Okay. But what I chose to do with that, right, will actually speak volumes about myself as a person. Mm-hmm. I know that. And that's why I never stopped doing art as well. Yeah. So it's what you choose to do with what happened after that. You have the privilege of that experience. Think about it that way. Mm-hmm. You are now in a position to do something better. What are you going to do about that? So I guess that's the other scenario. Lah. If someone actually does the art and gets caught and like, you know, becomes famous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you going to do about that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if it means anything... I actually remember specifically when that happened. That was before we started doing our own stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it, I was like, fuck, this is fucking awesome. Because, I mean, we started with our on-the-street videos, partly because it was motivated by just like, in some way, looking at how Singaporeans don't know how to react to weird situations. So we started doing videos that put people in weird situations and react to it. Like. <laughs> but in some way, we chose to do it in public because, like what you said, it's almost like a playground. Like. Yeah. So when you did it, I remember seeing it, I was like, fuck, this is awesome and like of course how people reacted the authorities coming down but it was also nice to see that support so it, it meant a lot to me if, if it means anything to you so whatever you did as traumatic as it was I'm sure there are a lot of people who feel the same way so so I'm very glad that you mm. did that I'm sorry you had to go through that <laughs> but but you did kind of like the trail. yeah because yeah. like especially in Singapore to do stuff in public like what you said right yeah. there's always apprehension whether it's to put something or even behave a certain way yeah. So so I would love to see more of that stuff happen. I mean, social media is helping because, okay, it's, social media has pros and cons, and now people are even more afraid to do stuff in public. Uh, but I guess that's, that's, that's part of evolution. Mm, mm. Yeah. So, so I mean, like, like what you said, you have, you have had to speak about this a lot, but is there, most of the time when people interview you about this, right, like from way back, what was the general stance towards it? Or, or it's across the board, like some come with a notion that you're a vendor, or some kind of artist or yeah basically that either or yeah either or <laughs> <laughs> so like this person's a vandal this person is like so stupid to actually to like you know do this kind of thing now she never get like you know jobs in the future or stuff like that uh-huh. uh, there were a lot of mean comments yeah. uh, but the thing that really hit me the most was that they actually went to the extent of looking for my family and looking mm. for my friends and actually shaming them as well yeah that was shit that yeah. was really not cool yeah you even had like a reporter come to my house right on the day that I was just no a day after I was released came to my house asking for my dad for a quote that is not cool either you see what it is really really ridiculous all these things are the truth yeah and the thing is that when the thing is that people can say all they want but when you go to such extents to try and dig up something about somebody that is not cool yeah and and yeah that's that's one of the things that's really fucked up yeah. Um, but otherwise, on top of that, there were a lot of people who really saw the value in, in that, that work. Mm-hmm. And so they really, like, you know, voiced out and they really showed their support. I had a lawyer pro bono for the case, and that's great. Mm. Um, they even, like, raised money to try and help me out for my fines. Yeah. And they, if any form of support, they were there, mm-hmm. you know? So that was what was amazing about that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I never expected that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say that that was one of the best. Like 
one of the most memorable like life experiences lah. <laughs> the good and bad. Wow. So then across all those interviews, was there anything that you wanted to talk about an incident but you didn't get a chance to? That I mean, just to clear anything or any misconception that you are free to say now. Or everything you yeah. I guess at a point of time, right when that happened, a lot of people were like, is this street art or is this like art? Mm-hmm. Oh no, sorry, is this street art or is this vandalism? Right? Is this art or is this not? Mm. You know, so the whole conversation was about that. But the thing is that when I did that, the whole message on it, right, is literally all in text. There, I literally said, like you know, like press until show, and like all these different things. My Motivation was to take Singapore back to make it feel like Singapore again. Mm-hmm. So that was the main motivation. I wish people talk about that at a point of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not so much about whether this is art or not. Because honestly, we've been through this conversation so many times. Yeah, it's e- even more now, you know. And I I feel like sometimes a little bit like tired from talking about whether things are constituted as arts not or not, mm-hmm. because it, that's not the point. Sometimes. At a point of time, I wish that they asked what what the intention was behind the work. Yeah. Why someone would actually do something like that, go out of their own zone and do something like that for other people to see? Am I trying to get up? Am I trying to like tell you something? Am I trying to like maybe take back Singapore to make you feel like Singapore again? <laughs> you know, mm. things like that. And instead, we have questions like, oh, then how should the government actually find or like charge something if it's art? Mm-hmm. But the thing is that. The most cliche way of answering it is art is subjective. You will never know whether something can be constituted as art. It is not their role to decide whether it's art or not. So that's why, to me, at a point in time when I got arrested, it wasn't so much about the charge that I was going to get, yeah. whether it's art or not. I knew that when I did that, it was vandalism, mm-hmm. and as long as and I took responsibility for that. That's why I was never angry. It's just sway all, mm-hmm. <laughs> just call all, you know. And at the end of it, as long as you bear that in mind. We have to know what systems you are working in and within, and try to go around it sometimes. Or maybe if you want to go directly against it, we have to know what we are signing up for. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing. I see. Okay. Yeah. So then, coming away from that, because you did say that it took you a few years to get over it, right? Yeah. But then now, given that you are, you've got like your wings spread out. What what are what are the things that you are pursuing right now? Because we don't want to stay in the past all the way, also lah. Yeah. It is twenty eighteen, and and if people want to find out more about your work, what you do, what 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 are you up to these days, lah? Hold on, I'm still chewing. No, I can carry on talking. Well, I don't just do art now. Mm-hmm. The reason why I couldn't find a medium was really because I had a lot of things I wanted to say. Yeah. Or more like a lot of things I wanted to change and do. I realized that art wasn't enough for me. Mm. It had to be something that people could experience, could feel, and can make a change to someone's life. Yeah. In 2016, I founded Indigoism, mm-hmm. which was this platform that aimed to create minute situations or like scenarios where people can be a part of and see that the world could be a different place. Really. Oh. If Indigo is with Indigoism, there was the bottom market. I created a moneyless scenario, where every artist had their own booth free of charge, and they could trade with whoever. So let's say a member of the public would come by, and they would like to buy this print. They can't buy it; they have to trade for something. Mm-hmm. If an artist is able to be vulnerable and create all these works for for you to have, 
shouldn't you show something invulnerable in exchange? Yeah. So that doesn't mean like, you know, things have to be tangible as well. The things that you exchange. A lot of us for cigarettes and alcohol, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but they can also come in the form of acts of kindness yeah. or like, you know, simply um, singing a song for somebody, a part of them that's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So from those markets, right, I've seen people exchange maybe a karate kick <laughs> in exchange for a photo. Uh-huh. Wow. I've seen people flash, you know, flash their boobs <laughs> for like ice lollies. <laughs> I've seen people... This was in Singapore? Yeah, in Singapore. Oh. Yeah. I've seen people um, play the guitar and sing a song mm-hmm. in exchange for ceramics. Mm-hmm. And that's what's interesting because you talk more, yeah. you negotiate more. The contract is only fulfilled if both parties agree. Mm-hmm. So even if your song is going to be shitty, I signed up for it. Yeah. That is the basic contract. So mm-hmm. the thing is, what's really cool about the market is that they were able to interact with the people more. My artists were able to actually talk to them more. And my, the, the public that came by will be able to understand the process. So that way, I will be able to join the link between art and the audience that mm-hmm. way. So they will understand more about the people who the whose works are done by mm. so that was one initiative that i did is this still happening once in a while i've been doing once a year we uh, did 11 in one year holy wow we're all small ones yeah. but now i want to bring it back like one time so yeah, the last one we did really cool yeah. yeah it was really fun actually yeah. the biggest one that we did was just last year it uh-huh. was with singapore coffee festival uh-huh. mm. um that was our biggest. We had everyone come back and it was like, oh, reunion. <laughs> so it was really, really cool because a lot of them traded for coffee or like things and that, yeah. things like that. And so that was really fun. La. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was more than anything like a mixer, if you mm-hmm. see it. So um, we think we're looking for another location this year. We want to bring back more vendors and we're mm-hmm. trying to make it more of like a festival kind of vibe. La. Okay. Yeah, but we see how it goes. Fingers crossed. I don't know anything yet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that was one example of how I felt like I could actually show people things rather than just like hey let me just show you this painting or like yeah. you know this in mm. this scenario i want you to feel it i want you to be in it so that was one idea that was one thing that i did and then after that um i also worked together with uh, a music producer under this umbrella called elevate that i created also under an indigoism so we explore binaural beats in this case to actually because we believe that if you feed different frequencies in each ear, the difference in frequencies is what your brain will try to match. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, you can actually tap into a particular stage, a brain wave, a particular oh. brain stage. Uh-huh. So there's alpha, beta, there's also um, theta. Theta was the area that we wanted to explore more. That area is where you can experience deep meditation, mm-hmm. deep relaxation. And apparently that's also the area that you can actually try to fix some things that are hardwired, some bad mm-hmm. habits you hardwire into your brain. So what we wanted to do was to try to like help people relax and get into that state so that when we get into that state of calm, we'll be able to feel rejuvenated every time. Yeah. So this product or this thing that we had, we wanted to help like the general public or actually first and foremost the creatives. So that way we can create, try to create the best work that we can every time. Yeah. The whole point of Indigo is to show how things can be done, to show people that this exists, mm-hmm. things like this can happen. So that was like a small little project. That so that was part of Indigoism. Indigoism. Yeah, it? correct. So the bianural bianural beats was like a just because Indigoism is like a market or some sort. 
So this was a... Indigo, Batamak, sorry, oh. sorry, I know that it's a bit confusing. I have a lot of things, a lot of projects. Yeah. But Indigoism is the main, like, non-profit yeah. social enterprise mm. that has the Bata market and Elevate as oh, products. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, okay. So, um, because I'm one who likes to start a lot of shit, yeah. <laughs> so that's why I can understand it's confusing. Yeah. Yeah, but later on, I went into... Um, I, I realized that, you know, this model wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to sustain itself. So... That's when I started, like, like you know, trying to find ways to try and make it work. Yeah. But I realized that there was another problem that I had to look at, and being a freelancer for the five for five years, that was, I I re- that I learned a lot. I had a lot of challenges. I had a lot. I learned a lot of like different things that we go through. Yeah. And so, I created this agency, um, Project Fourteen XIV. It's actually named after like the 14th statute in the in, in legislation mm-hmm. the right to free speech no. so whole point of this agency is to actually help creatives create their best work mm-hmm. this whole agency believes in the artist and what we do is that first and foremost our most primary mode of like um, operations is that we pair project managers together with artists or creatives so that way they can they don't have to worry about like um, having to do their paperwork liaising with clients they don't have to worry about whether they're protected don't have to worry about payment we make sure all these things are settled so the creative only just has to create that's all yeah mm. so that way they can do more projects as well and at the mm. same time we free up their brain space so mm-hmm. we take care of them we I think the advantage in this situation is that I'm a creative myself. Yeah. I know what we all go through. I know what I need. I know what I'm bad at. And this way, I can find people who can actually help to compliment me. Mm-hmm. We are not meant to do everything great. We're not meant to be really good at everything. Yeah. And sometimes we, we are too heavy on ourselves or something like that. And as such, we are meant to be with different people because we're meant to coexist. Why not use our best skills together to create something even better? Mm-hmm. So that's the whole manifesto for this company so by pairing them together I'm able to take care of the terms of service which are really well done by the lawyers who helped me out during my case mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's all airtight we make sure that everything they get paid on time um, we also handle the timelines and schedules so that means that the artist doesn't have to worry the client doesn't have to worry if everything is done on time mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about whether how many edits there are because everything will be negotiated and everything will be understood. So these are the things that I would really appreciate when I was like doing things on my own. Yeah. And you know, being a freelancer, you have to do everything. Mm-hmm. So this way, you don't have to worry. Yeah. On top of that, I also brought back recognition, which was the platform for Singaporean talent. Yeah. That is our portfolio. All these artists here, we know every one of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe not personally. We know maybe about half of them personally. But the rest of them, and we know everyone's style. We know what they are inclined to. We know what their strengths are. So let's say the client is interested in a particular style, or they have this particular brief. We're able to bring them together and actually create something great from there. Mm-hmm. The whole point of doing so is so that we will actually keep supplying them jobs. The artists can also, um, they don't have to worry about like you know payment. They're protected. They also don't have to. They also have the element of exposure, where they can they have their works shown to different people in this like platform. 
uh, exposure, food for the table, mm. and also create work for good. Mm. These are the three main areas that I'm focused on, mm. and that's just to try to build and progress the creative culture. That's it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So that means the difference between you and a regular creative agency is that the freelancers are kind of like really they're not they're not part of a company. It's more like on a project basis. They they join you guys for a certain project. They also join that. us for project basis work. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the thing is that because it's so diverse, right? Yeah. We are literally the left brain to any creative. Okay. Yeah. Think of it that way. We have multiple project managers whom take out multiple jobs, so that way we could actually help more people in the creative agency that way, mm-hmm. you know, in the creative culture that way. Yeah. So the creative agency, right? They take care of content and everything like that. Yeah. But in this case, right, the freelancer and the creative, I mean, sorry, the creative themselves are the ones who come out with the project. I see. I or see. they come out with the content. And you guys just provide the support to help them execute, like. Correct. Sometimes oh, they also cool. want like sometimes they also want like creative content on our side, and that's where I step in to actually help them out too. I see. I see. Yeah. And it's called the fourteen. Project fourteen. Project fourteen. Project fourteen. Project yeah. XIV. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. That is cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I brought my card. Ah. <laughs> and like, even in this video we'll put the links in the description yeah uh, yeah let me know man that's, a, that's quite a lot you know I stay you know I stay you know I stay this is cool oh, okay cool so so uh, I guess it is we're chatting about one hour plus yeah hour 15 yeah wow <laughs> anything else that you've never got a chance to say in an interview that you really want to say now like just all the slow the fuck down Singapore yeah. alright and all that I also don't know eh you see you ask me this question now I wish I had thought about it before coming but, oh. but that's why we, we yeah we never give the questions or like I mean even before today we were thinking like okay we're gonna talk but we like to keep it free flowing mm, yeah, yeah. so it's not that structured also man it brought, I don't know it, you can always come back again things. Yeah. yeah I can, can come back yeah. again I'll let you guys know again yeah. yeah or like when we post the video you can put in the comment section like a long essay of what you've been thinking about and all that People's attention span only like you know a couple of words la, So like you know, let's not kill them. <laughs> yeah, that, but I guess I'm hoping people who watch this podcast have longer attention spans. Uh. Yeah, man. Otherwise they we, won't watch we it. We talking for minute. an hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah, <laughs> with us, I think we talked for like two and a half hours. Oh man. Yeah, so so we also we also trying to find a sweet spot uh, because yeah yeah. I mean I think we we can go on talking forever, but yeah for us this is only our third podcast. Hmm. So still. You know it's good. It's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, it's still, keep it going. Yeah, yeah. So still trying to find a sweet spot and. But always on the lookout for people who are doing cool stuff. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, if cool I know anybody, stuff. I'll let yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. yeah. But, but in what I want to say to the public, I don't know, man. I, I don't think I have much to say, but... No, and I appreciate that. Because yeah. sometimes some yeah. people say, you ask them if you want to say, then they're like, oh yeah, you don't do this, when it doesn't mean shit. Like. So, yeah. so if you... Yeah, so I appreciate that you are honest enough to say that. Yeah, I think yeah. You've, you've said my, quite a bit already. Yeah, I think like, you know, if I haven't really said it, then I guess my work comes out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's your love letter to the public. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It really, really is actually. Yeah. 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 Okay. It is our love podcast uh, <laughs> to the public. Now it's cheesy. Now yeah. he's yeah, ruined okay. it. He's right. ruined yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so a big shout out to Sam Lowe, yeah. who's currently leading the project, Project 14. Uh, we'll put a link in the description. Thank you so much, Sam, for being thank here. Thank you. Thank you for having yeah. me, guys. Oh, uh, sorry to bring up the past, the traumatic past, but no, it was okay. something that we were also very curious about. And I think, especially in this day and age, 
it's worth revisiting yeah. because now it almost feels like Singapore is becoming more fundamentalist to a certain extent and all this other shit which is a topic for a whole other day but yeah it's great to see like you pushing things forward and you have definitely blazed the path for a lot of people oh so, thanks guys so thanks a lot for that yeah I think I think if anything it's always doing things from the roots up mm-hmm. sometimes you gotta stop looking up to actually hope for a change but we really mm-hmm. have to start from here yeah, yeah. I think if yeah. more people can actually you can actually touch their hearts to do something about something that you feel is really meaningful and they can resonate with that then we can actually see the change mm-hmm. that's why I don't think I have anything much to say mm-hmm. I guess your work says it your work says it yeah. we just have to do something about it yeah yeah cool feels feels <laughs> alright thank you so much thanks guys well,